Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Guys, can you believe the summer is almost over? Now, you know I tape these in advance. So we're actually getting ready to go on vacation for our summer vacation. But by the time this airs, it's going to be just a few weeks before school starts. And that just makes me sad. I'm not quite ready for the summer to be over yet or just even thinking about the summer being over. So what was your summer like? Did you get to go away? Did you do any staycations? Did you get to hang out with friends and family? We are going to Branson, Missouri for our summer vacation. And I, guys, I'm just so excited. You know how much I love warm weather and the South. I just think people are so nice and kind. And I am just looking forward to hiking in the Ozarks, to eating some really great food and just unplugging from life and enjoying some time with the family. So that is what I'm looking forward to the most. We tend to do more vacations that are, I don't want to say adventures, but where we kind of focus more on hiking and water sports and and different things like that. My family, we're not, I don't want to say we're not beach people. We do enjoy the beach, but we tend to just go for the day at one point over the summer and we make it into this big event where, you know, we leave the house at 6.30. We don't return until 11. And yeah, that's our beach vacation for the summer. We actually brought my oldest son's girlfriend this time. And it was, it was just really nice. Um, And she still wanted to hang out with him the next day. So apparently our crazy family didn't scare her away. So that's good news. Anyway, Uh, I wanted to talk today about a topic that I think is going to be helpful to a lot of my listeners. So as we're approaching a new school year, you know, I tend to think of the beginning of school as a new start. You know, you think about what do we do at the beginning of a school year? We buy our kids new notebooks and pens and pencils and crayons and school supplies. And there's always hope of a fresh start right? At the beginning of a new school year, the slate is wiped clean. There are no necessarily like high expectations at this point from teachers. There's more expectations, I think, on the students end of what is this school year going to look like? And this is the year I'm going to do well, or this is the year, you know, I'm going to get involved with different activities and meet new friends. It's, It's a time for new beginnings. And for some of you, you may be thinking that the fall is a time for a fresh start with your diet. So whether your goals are weight loss or weight management 
or disease management or disease prevention, you know, getting your labs in order, maybe becoming more active, you know, depending on what your goals are, you may think of the fall as a great time to start working on those goals, especially because the summer brings its own you know, selection of, ch- of challenges. You've got parties and picnics and vacations, and that can be really challenging, hopefully less challenging after you listen to uh, you know, our episodes on vacations and picnics and parties, but challenging nonetheless. And so the fall can bring this hope of a fresh start. And so if that's you, if you're considering making changes to your diet, uh, I'd like to, to help you along the way, whether it's working with you one-on-one at Bodymetrics, which by the way, you can go to bodymetricshealth.com if you want to know more about our business, um, or you just want to listen in on this podcast and get some great tips to help you along the way. Yeah, that's what this is about. It's, I want to make sure that nutrition information is accessible to everyone and that, you know, you're working on things that really matter, that are going to help you move the needle forward instead of just being stagnant. And so today's episode is all about when willpower is not enough and how we tend to use the wrong strategies when it comes to trying to manage our, our food and our weight and our health. And today I want to break all that down and give you strategies that actually work. So I'm really excited about today's episode. No different than any other episode. I'm always excited to be with you and talk with you and share with you uh, what I know, what I learn. uh, So that way we can all just live our best life. So today I want to talk about the, the topic of restriction because most of my clients, even myself included, before I got into nutrition, I tried a lot of different things. You know, I saw a client for the first time yesterday. I was like, what diets have you tried? And she's like, I've done Weight Watchers. I'm a lifetime member. I've done keto. I've done paleo. I've done Whole30. I've done intermittent fasting. I've done Optavia. I've done this, 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 and this. You name it, I have done it. And listen, I think we're at the point where it's over 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. Uh, The diet industry is a trillion dollar industry. So clearly the diets that we're trying aren't working, right? The system we're using is flawed. And a common denominator of all these diets is restriction, right? It's all about what you can't eat, don't eat, don't think about eating, Don't even think about thinking about eating like all of the above. Just don't, don't do it. And I want to go to science for a moment and talk about why this system is flawed. So there was a study back in the 80s by a psychologist named Daniel Wegner. And you can look this up online. You can Google it. Google the white bear study. And basically to summarize, what he did was he took a group of individuals and he told them they can think about whatever they want. Think about whatever you want for five minutes. The only rule is you can't think about a white bear. And so what do you think they thought about? A white bear. You know, in my head, I envisioned how this study went. You know, if I would have been a participant, I would have sat there and been like, all right, 
Okay, don't think about a white bear. Okay, well, what are we going to think about instead? Let's think about flowers. Okay, let's name all the different flowers. Let's name, you know, chrysanthemums and lilies and roses and lilacs and, and dahlias and, and, you know, and I would have been thinking. And the minute that I hit a snag where I couldn't think of another flower, I know it. I know my next thought would have been my brain saying, hey, just making sure you're not thinking about a white bear as you're going through all these different flowers. Well, now I'm thinking about a white bear because my brain just told me don't think about it. It reminded me in my fear of thinking about it to bring it to the surface. Now I'm thinking about a white bear. And then the participants were asked to ring a bell every time they heard it. And the findings were very interesting. Number one, when you tell somebody not to think about something, it's what they're going to think about. And number two is even after you stop trying to conjure up that image of the white bear, there's a rebound of that thought that you were trying to suppress. So here's the deal. Let's use it in terms of food. If you tell yourself you can't eat certain foods or you can't eat food groups, sugar, carbs, anything with salt, potato chips, anything, anything that you tell yourself you can't have, guess what you're going to think and obsess about? That food. And even when, let's say you've eaten the food, let's say you've fallen off the wagon and, and you enjoyed the food, you know, much to your disappointment, there's even a rebound effect afterwards where you're still going to think about the food. This is what I think is so fascinating about the brain. And this is what I've learned. You don't even need to physically restrict a food to over-obsess about it. Just the thought that you're going to restrict can cause you to obsess about a food. So let me repeat that. You don't even have to physically go through with the actual restriction process. You don't even have to diet. You just have to tell yourself that tomorrow I'm going to diet and it can create this whole rebound effect that makes you super focused, hyper focused and obsessed about that food. Isn't that crazy? I just think that's so fascinating how we don't even need to physically do the work. Just our brains going in that direction can cause this whole rebound effect. And so I, st- I was going into this research a little bit more. And, and this is what, you know, this is something that I read about this entire study. And I thought it was really, it was really fascinating. It says, we're motivated to be free of external control. And when that freedom is suppressed, even briefly, our minds respond with a need to counteract that loss of control. Even if it's over something insignificant, like suppressing a thought. So what is that saying here? You know, if we feel like our mind is being controlled, we are going to do everything possible to break free from that. And here's the thing with diets. The restriction is self-imposed. It's not even that somebody else is telling us not to eat something. You can't have it. We're telling ourselves. We're telling ourselves we cannot have a certain food and by ourselves telling us, that didn't even make sense, by us telling that to ourselves, we are creating this whole loop effect, right? It's not about the thought. 
that drives all of this, it's about autonomy. And autonomy meaning the independent control over your own choices and behavior. That is what our brain is going to fight for. We want to be able to make our own decisions. Now, interesting enough, (laughs) the decisions we're making are to create a dependent mind frame, not an autonomous mind frame, but we're, it's a self-imposed cycle. Nobody is telling us to do it. We're doing it to ourselves. And now our brain is trying to break free from ourselves. And that is why this thing is so confusing and why we're not getting anywhere. Now, why do we need autonomy, right? This feeling of autonomy is actually a basic human need. It's not learned. It's actually, um, it's something we're born with. It's this innate ability um, that we're born with. And the whole point of it, of autonomy is because, or the whole point of it is to allow ourselves uh, to get our needs met when we feel it's necessary. So the need to be fed, the need to stay warm, the need to have pain attended to quickly. We have this desire to be able to seek out our needs before our needs become a threat. So it is a basic innate desire within our brain to strive for autonomy. And anytime that feels threatened, our brain is going to do whatever we can to get away from it. Our brain is going to do whatever it can to get away from that. And it rebounds in the opposite direction. So I know I've shared this example with you before, but I think it just illustrates it so beautifully. Um, The whole restriction binge cycle, right? I always tell people that my definition of binging is a natural response to restriction. If you don't restrict, you don't binge. And so I want you to think of this visual of a bow and arrow. When you pull back on the string, when you pull back on the bow, the arrow will launch in direct proportion to how far you have pulled back. So if you only pull back on the bow a little bit, the arrow's going to fly a few feet. But if you pull it back all the way, you cock that string back all the way, when you release, the arrow is going to fly yards, hundreds of yards, maybe. Clearly, I don't know my, my archery. <laughs> but anyway, you get the point. The more you restrict, the more you tell yourself you can't, the more your brain is going to over-desire and binge on those foods at a later point. Now, diets teach you that this isn't going to happen. If you just have enough willpower and enough motivation and you just trust our plan, this won't happen. But diets can't promise this because they don't have control over this. This is just a way to get your money. What we need to focus on is giving ourselves choices, giving ourselves options, not trying to put ourselves and our food choices into a box that we know we're never going to adhere long term. You know, when it comes to emotional eating, emotional eating, some argue, is just a response to the perception of being controlled. 
It doesn't even have anything to do with needing food or wanting food or being hungry in that moment. It's just about our need to feel like we're in control. We hate feeling like we're controlled. Kids hate feeling like they're being controlled. Teenagers hate feeling like they're being controlled. I'm raising practically three of them right now. My youngest son is 12, but he'll be 13 in a few months. So I'm going to go with almost three teenagers, right? They hate it when I try to micromanage them and tell them what to do. They want to be able to make their own choices. And so the more we micromanage them, the more they're going to rebel. It is no different with food. All right. So really what it comes down to is if we eliminate the restriction, then we eliminate the desire to violate it. Plain and simple. I had a lady one time, I think I shared this story with you before, who wanted chocolate after lunch. And so she would tell herself she can't have the chocolate. She can't have the chocolate. If she's going to lose weight, she can't have the chocolate. And then she would go in the cupboard and she would get like two pieces of chocolate when she couldn't stand it anymore. And then, you know, about 15 minutes later, she'd go back in and get two more pieces. And then at that point, she'd go back in for maybe three more pieces. Then she'd realize, you know what, the bag's almost empty. So I might as well just finish it because then the pieces won't be there tomorrow when I want it. Have you ever done that before? (laughs) Right? I know I've done it before. Right? You're like, oh, well, now I've practically eaten all of it. So I might as well just get rid of it. Right? And so I told her, what we're going to do is let's do this differently. Let's actually put two pieces of chocolate on your plate with your lunch. And you are not good if you choose to eat it. You are not good if you choose to put it back. You are not good or bad based off of if you choose to eat the chocolate. Because we are giving you permission to eat the chocolate. This isn't one of those situations where it's like, okay, I'll put it on my plate. But really, my goal is to try to not eat it. No, no, your brain's too smart for that. Give yourself permission to eat the chocolate. And so the first day she ate the chocolate, she's like, it was great. And the second day, you know, she ate the chocolate. It was great. And the third day, she's like, I don't even know if I want the chocolate. And so she's like, do I have to eat it if I don't want it? I'm like, no, you don't have to. But I want it to be on your terms and I want it to be your choice. I don't want that choice to be made for you by me. And I don't want you to start putting a whole bunch of restrictions on yourself. And it's interesting because after a while, she's like, you know, it's it's not a fun game anymore. (laughs) Not that restriction is a fun game, but it's almost like you you take the fun out of it if you're not breaking any rule. Because you're giving yourself full permission to go ahead and do it at any time. Now you have the choice to decide if you even want it. Because the rebellious part is out of the equation. You're not just doing it to be rebellious. You're doing it because you actually want it. And those are two very different things. This is why... Diet plans that tell you what to eat and what not to eat will never work long term. This is why you telling yourself you can't have major food groups ever again. You can no longer eat cake or cookies and no more sugar for you. That's why this will, this will never, ever work. All right. So I want you to think about 
your current diet plan, the diet that you're following, whether that's a commercial diet, a fad diet, um, just your own rules, I want you to think about, are there any foods that you're restricting? Are there any portion sizes that you're telling yourself that you can have with specific foods? Are you restricting quantity of food in any way? Are you restricting the time that you're allowed to eat? You know, an example of this would be like an intermittent fasting. I'm not saying that you can't follow, you know, a a 16-8 plan if you really like it and it works for you and it, you know, you feel really good about it. I'm just saying when you tell yourself there's no other way but the 16-8 plan in order for you to be successful, now you're going down that slope. You know, do you give yourself restrictions where you can eat certain foods or with whom you can eat those foods with? Right? What self-imposed restrictions are you putting on yourself that you really don't even want to follow? You're just doing it because you don't know any other way. That is what we're going to change. All right? And so if restriction doesn't work then what does? Well, what I want you to do instead is I want you to focus on what you can do. We're going to take restriction out of the dieting game and we're going to give ourselves permission to include all sorts of things in our diet. All foods, because again, food is not good or bad. You are not good or bad. It's just food. But we have to take out the rebellious piece so that we can focus on really making our best decisions in the moment. So I'm going to help you. I started to make a list of things that we can add to our plan instead of take out. Because again, if restriction leads to rebellion, you've heard me say this before, restriction leads to resentment and resentment leads to rebellion. So if we're going to take out the rebellion, we're going to take out the resentment, therefore taking out the restriction, all of it, then what can we focus on if we still have specific health goals? Well, I want you to think about what can you add. Adding is more fun anyway. What can you add to your food, to the way you eat? So that it's a more positive experience and we take out the rebellion. We take out that rebound effect. We take out the obsession because that's, those are all the parts that suck about dieting. And if you want to truly create a lifestyle that you like and enjoy and love and feel confident in, no matter where you go, whether you're on vacation or you're with friends or you're eating with your family or you're eating lunch by yourself in your office, I want you to have confidence in what you're doing. I don't want this to be, to be fear-based. I don't want this to be painful. I want you to enjoy this part of your life because it's going to be a part of your life. You have to eat to live. All right. So I brainstormed 10 ways that of things you could add instead of thinking of what you must take away. So let's go through them. Uh, Number one, 
the first thing you could add is more water, right? Ideally, we want to be drinking about half our body weight unless there's a contraindication with your health, like uh, you need to be on a fluid restriction or congestive heart failure or anything like that. Uh, But for a lot of us, a good goal to start with is half our body weight in ounces. The good thing about hydration is the more water you drink, the easier it is to discern hunger from thirst. If you are dehydrated, Anytime you feel a sensation, more times than not, your brain's going to think food instead of opting for water first. But the more hydrated you are, the better you are at discerning that this is a thirst need and I should be drinking water instead of grabbing a banana muffin. All right. So the first thing is, could you add more water to your plan and see how you feel? That doesn't feel restrictive. Um, Could you add more produce to your diet? Could you add more fruits and vegetables to your, your meals, to your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner? You know, for a lot of us, vegetables are an afterthought. We put them on our plate because we know they're supposed to be there, but we're not necessarily eating the servings that we need to. I'm not saying you can't eat the starch and you can't eat the protein and your plate has to only be vegetables. Of course not. But could you adjust your ratios a touch so that you're eating more vegetables at dinner time? Could you make fruit be the primary food of your breakfast instead of the cereal? Right? What could you add to make this more nutritionally sound? Number three, could you add more fiber? Could you add more beans to your diet? Could you add more whole grain products? Instead of Ritz crackers, could you pick wheat thins? Instead of Kaiser rolls, could you pick whole grain breads? Right? Where are opportunities that you can swap out white flour and white sugar for whole grain options? A lot of whole grain options, they taste good. They even have whole wheat white bread now. Maybe that's just a step you take um, in terms of, you know, improving your health. Whole wheat white bread. Let's start there. That doesn't sound painful. That sounds exciting. All right. Can you add more protein to your diet? You know, for some of us, you know, we're not doing so hot in this area. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with with oatmeal and fruit for breakfast. I think that's a great breakfast. I just don't think it has a ton of protein to it. And in order for me to feel my best, I know I need to eat a little bit more protein than that. So, you know, can you add ground flaxseed or can you put an egg white in your oatmeal while it's cooking? Can you maybe add a half a scoop of protein powder? Can you add some walnuts to your oatmeal and fruit? Can you look for opportunities to boost the nutritional quality of your food with small ingredient changes? You don't have to do a complete overhaul. You can never eat oatmeal and fruit. You can only eat eggs. Like, no, no, let's just be smart about it. Let's just look for little opportunities to boost up, you know, the protein or the fiber by a couple grams each meal. It has a cumulative effect. All right. Let's talk about some other things. I think we're up to number, was that three? Three of them? Produce? Oh, no, four, because we did water, too. All right, number five. Can you add more exercise to your plan? 
know, and when I say exercise, I don't even necessarily mean like 30 minute cardio sessions. Can you add more movement to your day? You know, maybe you're back to back to back with meetings at work. Can you, you know, hide a couple of small dumbbells underneath your desk and in between meetings, do a couple reps, do a couple sets if you can. Maybe you want to bang out a couple push-ups if you're so inclined. Can you park a little further away, right? I'm not saying you have to add hours of intense physical exercise to your routine. I know a lot of you are busy, but I know most of you could find five minutes if you needed to. If I told you that I was going to come to your office and go over um, your lottery winnings, but it's going to take five minutes, you'd find time to meet with me. It's there if you, if you look for it. A lot of us just aren't looking for it. We just assume, oh, it's so busy that I can't possibly do it. For me, the busier I am, the more I protect my exercise because I know it's the only way I'm going to get through the day with a level of sanity because I just, I use exercise for my mental health um, to keep me grounded, especially when I, I feel stressed out. All right. Can you add more mindfulness to your meals? Now remember, mindfulness is this act of being present in the moment. And so mindfulness allows for you to really taste your food. It allows for you to um, honor your hunger and your fullness cues because you're paying attention. It allows for you to take a moment and really pay attention to the consistency and the texture of your foods. Do you even like it? Do you like the way it feels in your mouth? Is it satisfying physically and emotionally? A lot of us are just throwing food into our mouths as we go from one activity to the next. And we're not even paying attention one bit about our experience, about how you know we enjoy the food, how we feel when we eat this food. And when we're not paying attention, we don't make our best decisions. So for some of you, you don't need to add more fiber and protein and produce. You need to add more mindfulness. And just that one little step is going to make all the difference. All right, here's another one. Color. Do you need to add more color to your diet? You know, a lot of people, when I meet with them and I, and I ask them what they've consumed in the day, it's a lot of white and tan and brown and yellow just varying shades of brown and white. Maybe looking for opportunities to add reds and oranges and deep greens, blues, purples. Maybe that's what you want to focus on. And by doing that, guess what? You're going to get more produce. You're going to get more whole whole grains. Um, you know, the deeper the color, the more phytonutrients, the more energy you have. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific macronutrient. Maybe you just want to focus on adding more color. That's a fun challenge. How colorful can you make your plate? Can you eat all the colors of the rainbow every day? That's an activity the whole family can do. And everybody would reap the benefits. All right, here's another one for you. Can you add more time to your meals? So again, this kind of goes with the mindfulness piece. How much time are you allowing yourself to eat a meal? Or are you trying to just shove it in as fast as you can? Imagine how 
very different your experience with a meal would be if you would slow down and actually taste your food. You know, think about those experiences when, you know, if you go to a nice restaurant and they serve you courses and, and there's time in between those courses. And so there's anticipation of what the next course is going to look like. Um, you know, there's time for you to actually talk and connect with the person that you may be eating with. For some of you, you don't need to add more color and produce. You just need to sit down for 15, 20 minutes and eat without doing anything else. No screens, no checking emails, no computer, no YouTube, no TikTok. What if that's something you tried to add? That's not restricting. That's a gift. What could that look like? And that's available to you. Most people are going to write this off and be like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. It could. If you make it a priority, it could. But a lot of us, we don't see the value in it. We would rather go with, oh, I'd rather just not eat carbs. That seems easier than giving myself 15 minutes to eat a meal. But one is actually going to work and the other is going to keep you in the diet loop. So there's that. All right. Number nine. What if you focused on adding more joy to your experience? Now, what do I mean by that? So again, a lot of us are either eating standing up, we're eating over the sink, we are, you know, rushing. Again, it's all about that time. Nothing really special going on with our meals, but what if we made them special? What if we decided to eat our meals outside on the deck instead of in the dining room or at the kitchen island? What if you decided to get out a really pretty plate and put your meal on that? you know what? Get out the nice china. It's just sitting there. You may use it once or twice a year, but for a lot of us, you spend a lot of money on that. Why not use it? Feel a little fancy, right? It'll probably make you slow down because you're not going to rush through your meal when you're eating on pretty plates. Maybe instead of saving your wine glasses for your weekend beverage, maybe you put your water or sparkling water in your wine glass. These little tiny changes reap big, huge rewards. So don't discount them. Create an experience that makes you want to stay in the moment and enjoy it and be more mindful versus just rushing through it to get the job done and move to the next thing on your list. And then number 10, another thing that you could add to your, your lifestyle to improve it is more sleep. How many times do you overeat when you're exhausted because your body is doing whatever it can to get more energy, right? Your body knows if it didn't get the restorative sleep it needed the night before, it's going to be a hungry day because you're going to have to use food for energy, For some of us, prioritizing sleep would make huge changes to our lifestyle. Instead of, you know, I'm going to have to cut corners on sleep because I've got so much to do. What if we protected it? And what if that small change made a big difference? I had a client once. I think I shared this story. He he wasn't sleeping well. He was up early with his kids. He was up late with his older kids. And um, he wasn't getting enough sleep and he was just hungry all day. 
I was like, you just need to go to bed. <laughs> and it's funny because he lost a lot of weight. And if you ask him, what did he do to lose the weight? He says, I went to bed. Right? Oh, did you cut out cake? Did you cut out sugar? Did you cut out carbs? No, I went to bed. I was tired. And I actually gave my body what it needed so it could fully function and thrive the next day. So this is what I want you to focus on. What can you add? If restriction is no longer an option because rebellion is sure to follow, what can you do differently with your lifestyle? What can you do to truly make this a lifestyle you're excited to show up for each and every day versus one that's filled with dread and fear of when you're going to screw it up again? That's the kind of plan I want to be a part of. All right, let's get you your recipe for the week. So this recipe is, um, let's see here. It is a yogurt bark. All right. And so, you know what? I had this recipe all keyed up on my phone and then my kids took it and they took a lot of pictures and now I lost it. So I got it. All right. So this is for, it's called perfect yogurt bark. And the ingredients you'll need for this is one cup of whole milk Greek yogurt. Uh, I really don't recommend using low fat or fat free yogurt because it's not going to taste as creamy once you freeze it. So one cup of whole milk Greek yogurt, two to three teaspoons of honey, or to taste, depending on your preference, a half a cup of berries. So I like to use sliced strawberries um, and raspberries. Alternatively, use some blueberries in there. If you are going to use the strawberries, though, just make sure you slice them really thin so it's easy to eat. And then two tablespoons of sliced almonds or granola. And so for this recipe, you're going to need to spread out the Greek yogurt in a thin layer on parchment paper or a silicone baking sheet. Just do your best to spread it evenly and then go ahead and top with the fresh berries and sprinkle with nuts or granola. And then it's really simple guys. You're gonna stick it in the freezer for about three to four hours until firm, break into pieces and go ahead and store that in a freezer bag. And there you have it. Fun, simple, easy, dessert, anytime, family friendly, recipe that I know you're going to enjoy. You're going to enjoy. All right, guys, that's what I got for today. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado and I'll see you next week.